catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Are government regulators the biggest challenge innovators face? This will remain a matter of discourse for ages to come, and this present age will be studied for years to come. Over the years, the Nigerian legal tender has been redesigned four times. The first time was in 1965 when Nigeria became a republic. And the main reason was so that it could reflect that it was now being issued by the Federal Republic of Nigeria. The Nigerian currency was redesigned again in 1968 following a civil war. Nigeria then chose to modify the currency notes it printed in 1965 as a war tactic to counteract the misuse of the country's currency notes during that period. It implemented a genuine monetary system in decimal form in 1973, replacing the imperial system inherited by the British administration, which in turn resulted in a currency redesign. And then economic reforms implemented in 2007, new notes with new designs were reissued. In October 2022, the Central Bank of Nigeria announced the decision to redesign the 200, 500 and 1,000 Naira notes. The CBN said that members of the public were hoarding banknotes and he had statistics showing that over 85% of the currency in circulation were domiciled outside the vaults of commercial banks. Therefore, it was necessary through the redesign to call the notes back into the bank vaults. That way, the volatility of the Naira will be brought under control. According to CBN's governor, Godwin Emefiele, available data at the CBN show that in the year 2015, currency in circulation was only 1.4 trillion Naira. As of October 2022, currency in circulation had risen to 3.23 trillion Naira, out of which only 500 billion Naira was within the banking industry and 2.7 trillion Naira held permanently in people's homes. He also revealed that since the commencement of the redesign program, the CBN has collected about 1.9 trillion Naira and such monies have been found to be failing, kidnapping for ransom, terrorism financing, money laundering and other illicit transactions that do not want to be traced as well as vote buying to compromise the electoral process and subvert democracy and also shortchange the people. But that was not the only policy announced in October 2022 that came with a big bang and generated some dust afterwards. In the same month of October 2022, the CBN announced the launch of the Afrigo National Domestic Cards of Nigeria in collaboration with the Nigeria Interbank Settlement Systems, NIBSS, and the Bankers Committee. It made good on this announcement by launching the National Card on January 26, 2023, and tongues have been wagging about it. Head, going head-to-head with the big players in the cards and payments market in Nigeria, such as the likes of MasterCard, Visa, and Verve. Note that the Nigerian cards and payment markets was valued at $18.2 billion in the year 2021. Today, we'll try to make some sense of all the noise that has currently overwhelmed these two policies in Nigeria. And I'm joined by a financial policy analyst, Stanley Onwara, and a public policy analyst, Chima Christian. Okay, we'll start with the finances, yeah? Stanley, you've worked in the banking sector and you understand these banking jargons better and what the effects, you know, could be. So what really is the CBN saying and why really is the CBN redesigning the Naira and how will this affect Nigeria and Nigerians? All right, the whole redesign of the Naira, it's timely. Something that should have been done earlier. I fault the timing because it's coming just before elections. And that's what has created this chaos that we have now. People trying to hold the Naira. I'm, I can tell you from an insider source that the CBN 
has tried to adequately even provide the notes to make sure that this currency goes round. But it's been hard. But that's like a whole story for another, like a whole different angle to it. So yeah. So what the CBN tried to do was the CBN created part of the problem with the ways and means that they printed and gave to the government and with the supply of money that they could not account for it's the monetary policy function of the cbn to be able to tell you oh this is how much we have in the economy this is how much cash that is moving around all these are the things they use to control inflation and watch the economy when that is out of your hands it means that anything can be happening in the economy and you're just there watching you're like a bystander instead of being the umpire so the currency redesign was to bring the old notes back into the vaults of the banks and then secondly the tries to enforce more of the cashless society you know we've operated we've gone digital over the years we've seen proliferation of the online payment systems everybody's now attuned to the mobile banking internet banking pos agents around so you don't nobody carries one million to them buy anything anymore you do a transfer so that has improved so what they wanted to do was to take it up a notch with the different policies that they were going to bring in and they said, as an area that they are redesigning, is coming back to the bank's vault. They now came up with the approach of, we're going to limit the amount of cash that people would have, would be able to access, and then would push people to go into the online platform. And in doing that also, they decided, okay, what is the best way to make it cheaper for everyone? So why not introduce a card that will be relatively cheaper for the banks to issue in bulk? and then not have to pay so much when everybody has moved to the online point. So that's mostly using your card for payment or using your mobile app transfer. So that's also what they try to achieve. So the timing we can fault, implementation we can fault, or the direction of the CBN would say, okay, yes, it's the right approach, it's the right policy, but the timing and implementation is right for them. Hmm. Okay. We also have with us Chima Christian. Chima, how are you doing today? And what, in your opinion, based on how the public has received these policies, is this the right move to make at this particular time? Well, if you analyze this particular policy in isolation, you will tend to arrive at a particular outcome that has been predetermined for you by the Nigerian state and the media and the PR machine that they have put behind this policy. If you want to really understand the policy, I'll invite you to not look at it in isolation, but to look at it in progression. So with the whole Naira recommendation, because I don't see it as a new note, I just see it as a problem Naira notes. So with the whole noise about issuing of new Naira notes, it's just Nigeria staying true to its character. And if you listen to the policy makers, the CBN says they want to copy, move back some of the money in the bank boards, that's number one. They say they want to stop the illicit flow of terrorism, that's number two. And then they said, well, again, fake notes and all of those things. So all the objectives this particular policy is designed to achieve. And I ask you, is it possible to achieve it with one policy? And if you look at it historically, the answer is no. For instance, Nigerians will not remember this because we forget in a haste. It was the same CBN that introduced what is called Noban, N-U-B-A-N. Remember that before now, banks used to issue some people had 13-digit account numbers, 15-digit account numbers, 9-digit account numbers, until the CBN came up with a policy that they called Noban, which was a policy that was supposed to unify all the account numbers in Nigeria to be a 10-digit account number. If you see the kind of hassle they put Nigerians through to implement Noban, people were lying down in the banks to implement Noban. All the advantages they said Noban will confer on us, 
The question I ask you today, where are the advantages? All they had to do was to go and read the press statements of the policymakers when they were introducing the Noban and then look at what is happening in Nigeria to see if that policy indeed achieved anything. Then they came up with BVN, which is by the way an improvement. But these policies were always marketed as once you get it done, all the problems will be solved. They said BVN will be able to track illicit flow of money, will be able to track Yes, the BVN has provided some form of more identification, especially the fingerprints. But the illicit transactions that go on in Nigeria still go on and they are unpunished. Then they went on to the, introduce the NIN. And when they introduced the NIN, again, Nigeria suffered to obtain BVN. People were lying once violently or aggressively implement the NIN. They said, oh, what's the NIN plan? How many Napas have been trying to ban Okada? They said, oh, no, Okada is the source of terrorism that bandits rove on Okada, drive on Okada. And from state to state, including Anambra, partially banned Okada. There are some states in Nigeria that have partially or completely banned Okada. In those states, they banned Okada. The simple reason was that Okada was facilitating the illicit movement of criminals. Today, you have banned Okada. Are the criminals still moving? Do we have better security now than before? So I'm telling you this history to show you that Nigerian state is always lazy. If you want to catch criminals, currency has nothing to do with it. As of today, even when CBN started implementing this new Naira notes, there has been video evidences of people who stockpiled cash. How many of them have been arrested and prosecuted? None. None. So what is the evidence that the new Naira notes, even when you get into full circulation, will not be stockpiled? There is none. Since they started implementing the BVN, how many high-profile cases have been tracked? There was this particular candidate that had bullion van enter his house in a particular election cycle. Was he tried? Was he investigated? Did the BVN? So Nigerian state has the instrument called the NFIU. The NFIU is working in concert with about 126 other countries to track the finances and financial flow. Has the Nigerian state leverage on the NFIU and the intelligence is able to glean from the NFIU? to prosecute criminal offenders, especially those that are doing illicit transactions, how many of them have been prosecuted? Nigerian state has the EFCC with all its investigatorial powers. So what the Nigerian state is doing is really, you know, just subjecting Nigerians to another level of hardship. I can tell you for free, between now and the next seven months, the new Naira notes will find its way back to the original owners. The people who stock in trade is to stockpile money will find this money and stockpile them. The kidnappers, as of today, there is a video evidence, there is a video circulating online that there is a particular kidnapper bragging, showing the new Naira notes and saying in the video, it was recorded in Aosa, that he had 10 million of new Naira notes. So how did the kidnapper get it? So if you say, if you want to track kidnappers, there are intelligent ways of tracking kidnappers and bandits. Nigerians know this thing. So subjecting the whole of Nigeria to a mess and promising us that it will track the illicit flow of cash, you couldn't do it with the BVN, you couldn't do it with NIN, you couldn't do it with the Bank of Okada, you couldn't do it with NFIU, you couldn't do it with EFCC, you couldn't do it with ICPC, you couldn't do it with the Code of Conduct of Tribunal and Code of Conduct Bureau, and you're telling us that you will do it with new Naira notes and we should not. Hmm, interesting take. Stanley, would you like to react to this? And also, after your reaction, one of the things that have been talked about from challenger banks by the CBN, we always make use of the term unbanked in Nigeria, right? More than 42 million Nigerian adults live in rural areas and they lack basic banking services. The main reason for being unbanked most times, or according to the FDIC, is cost. You know, those who are unbanked most times cannot meet the minimum requirement balances of banks. And another way to look at it is maybe traditional banks don't provide access to the services and products that the people in this population need. Do you see this move 
or this set of moves, especially the Afrigo, being a game changer for the unbanked in Nigeria, really, and not just another case for PR and very the glossy newspapers and making moves and just making mouths, as it's been said. Okay, first of all, I'd like to react to my brother Chima. I could tell from his voice that he's really passionate about the country, and I applaud that so that we're not for the danger of a single story. I think that's how you said, right? These policies and these ideas. First, I agree with you that implementation in Nigeria has been a problem. There's no essence why Nigerians should suffer for a policy or for an implementation of an idea or whatever you call it that you want to bring into it. There's no reason why Nigerians should suffer. But we've come to the realization that most times when we come up with these things, being the Nigerian factor, both from the policymakers and for us, the masses, we always have this disconnect. He mentioned BVN and he mentioned NIN and all. I would not necessarily say the redesign of the Naira is targeted at illicit funds. I wouldn't say that because from the financial angle, I would say that the CBN created a problem. The CBN printed 22 trillion as ways and means to the government. That is one. And that has created a supply of money. Now, what this has done over the years is that there's a lot of money chasing the dollar. So a lot of people have money chasing the dollar that they'll just go have this excess money they mop up from from wherever around governments and all and all and then take it to go and buy back the dollar to preserve that money. So there was a lot of pressure. And just for like BVN, for example, like the BVN that came out, the approach that decided it was going to track this, track that, and the NFIU that you mentioned, that's a whole political angle. That is the political will not to do the right things in Nigeria. Because if it's for doing the right things in Nigeria, I do not doubt that you and I know the right things to do. And if given the opportunity and the political will, whether we can address them. But there is that lack of political will to see through that you've caught this person or that this person has been alleged to do this thing and then you prosecute to the end. But has the intended target of BVN tracking these people or that seeing the movement of funds, has it been achieved? Yes, it has. And then secondly, BVN has helped tremendously in the banking sector. There was something that used to happen then when people, in terms of bad loans, people were opening accounts with different names. So I could open an account with Shagun, Samuel, Musa, and open a company with that, go to CAC, register, because I could even fake my ID card. I could fake a driver's license. I go to CAC and I register a company that has Alhaji, Hassan and Sons and I go to Canada and register that company and I open that account and I'm running that account very well and I go and take a loan. I still use another fake ID card and open another this thing as Stanley Honora and then I'm running Honora and Sons Limited and I'm running the two accounts very well and I go to the bank and I borrow money. So I've borrowed money from Access Bank, I've borrowed money from GT Bank because there was no central data that was linking people. So people were taking money in different banks and gaming the system. In the end, when you go back to the banks, you see that seven banks had loaned money to somebody in different forms and you couldn't have anything to hold on to this person. This person is chasing this name. This person is chasing that name. It becomes a whole different... But, but this BVN 
has you has put all that into one fold and you've seen a reduction in bad loans across so the credit bureau system that we have in nigeria has been improved simply because of the bvn so there are other benefits to it but totally if you look at it in all in all regards you wouldn't say that these policies have their own advantages making nigeria suffer to achieve that aim is totally unacceptable but do they have a reason for doing it and does he achieve it i'll say yes it has a so a great deal it achieves most of that then you talking about the unbanked in Nigeria. The unbanked in Nigeria at the moment, I'm still doubting that figure as a person because I move around and I've moved to, I've been into the interior villages of Nigeria. If they're talking about Northern Nigeria, which has the least penetration of the internet, I could argue to a large extent that maybe that's where they are pinning their arguments against. But bringing out a card, trying to say that this card would bring financial inclusion, I think is glossy, just media talk. Because the card company that the Africa card is just like your Visa or MasterCard. You need to have an account. You need to be running an account for you to be able to access the Africa card. So what has changed? Nothing. You just introduced another card company that will compete with the likes of MasterCard and Visa. It's just a different card company. The advantage is that it's going to be the domiciled in there. So when we make transactions and we have the yearly subscriptions that you pay to Visa card and MasterCard for using their service in Nigeria that runs into millions of dollars that these banks pay to those companies. The NIBS through the CBN said, okay, you know what, let's domesticate this card. Instead of you taking $1 million or $500,000 or $2 million annually, to go and pay for subscription fee, you know, to be able to access this service for customers in Nigeria. We have a card that you can pay 100 million naira annually. You are not paying dollars, and any amount you earn is in naira. The fees are charged in naira. That reduces the cost and dependence. And then the the data that you are going to be gathering, the number of people that transact, how they transact, and that whole data, that whole big data that you are going to gather, doesn't go to Visa. It comes to NIDSS, and you can use that to track for the economy and improve your your data security. You know, have in-house data security that is that is for you that you can mine and use for the advantage of your country. So you don't need to go and get Visa. Tell them, oh, provide us with the data for this. And no, you have it in-house. So those are some of the advantages. But if it's for checking the unbanked. I doubt that it's going to go a long way. I think the fintechs, the likes of the Palm Pay that you can you can sign up with and you know open your account if you have a smartphone. That's another thing. If you have a smartphone and create an account number, I think at the future. And then with the likes of MTN and Etel who have payment service bank licenses, if they take it seriously, I feel that they would achieve more for the unbanked in quotes than any of these other card companies that they are bringing up. Interesting. Now, just so we put this in proper perspective, this Naira redesign, what exactly are the financial benefits? How do they benefit Nigeria and Nigerians financially? Can you just highlight maybe three points? Personally, I think Naira design doesn't have any extra benefits to you as a Nigerian. I think it's more of a benefit to the government. I think it benefits the government, it benefits the policymakers. For you, there is no tangible benefit. To be honest, there is no tangible benefit. Because you're transacting with your old notes. What's your own? You just go and buy Akara and Moi Moi. You use your notes and go and buy. You're, you're not stressed. You're not thinking of how to go and get money. So you want to take transport from one point before people that take bikes. You want to take bike from one point to the other. You're already using your Naira. You're using your currency to do that. There's no, there's no extra benefits for having a colored note. Change the color from green to 
from red to blue from 500 to 200 there's no extra benefits to you but for the policymakers and for the government the advantages are immense because the monetary policy was leaving the hands of the cbn they are looking at the currency in circulation both the ones that were faked, both the ones in quotes that it said had been faked, because you know some of these things come with intel that we do not have as ordinary Nigerians. You know, the elections are coming up and the CBN, in quotes from some quarters that we heard unofficially, that they had people that faked notes to use for these elections and they had it in billions of naira. So that was a systematic check that they wanted to bring in. If they had allowed it to go beyond this election, and which is still my stand, if they allowed this to go beyond the whole election, it defeats the end. So it means that this money is going to go into the hands of the masses. And once it goes into the hands of the masses, it mixes up. So it's not like you can check it at one point like they are trying to do. It goes into the hands. So if you have a truckload of, take it to the CBN. The CBN has said they will give you any amount you have it will be returned to you in the new notes it's just a naira swap but if you that if you then have like fake notes running into billions you can't take it to the bank because it should be discovered and if you share it during this election period it has mixed up it has gone round so it becomes a systematic problem so for the policymakers and for the government the advantage is to them for us the nigerians that you know the only thing is that they are, it's it's the, if the economy goes south if things become, if inflation rises to to thirty percent due to a lot of all these problems that we are really encountering, and then you know, exchange rates goes crazy, it still affects us as the common man. So it's just for the policymakers to do what is right that they ought to do. That you know that safeguards us as citizens. Not that it directly has a benefit to us that I can pinpoint. Okay, now Chima Christian, I would think that as someone who is in the political space and someone who has been invested in the electoral process of Nigeria, that a lot of Nigerians would be happy that this move by the CBN will somehow help to reduce electoral fraud has been talked about by the CBN and by some other analysts. Are you excited that you know this may reduce electoral fraud through vote buying and do you see this succeeding? Well, thank you so much for the question. Can I go back for a minute to answer the question about infrastructure, especially for the unbanks? Nigeria today does not have the capacity to onboard every eligible Nigerian for banking services. We simply don't have the capacity. The events of the last two or three weeks will show you how many failed transactions Nigerians have and how many failed reversals. As of today, I have like three or four pending transactions and then the reversals have not been issued. So if all Nigerians, if CBN is talking about cashless policy, if all Nigerians, assuming we all adopt it in one day, does the banks, all of them cumulatively, including the fintechs, have the capacity to do the volume of transactions Nigerians do today? Yesterday, I had the story of a young lady. All her three bank apps was, wasn't working and she finished an Uber ride wanted to pay the Uber, doesn't have cash, did transfer. So she had to sit down with the Uber man for one hour, one hour going into two hours for him to be able to confirm the transaction. And the guy wasn't able to confirm the transaction. So if all Nigerians who are going to be riding Uber are going to be using cashless, if all the people who are going to be entering Kekem, if all the people who are going to be entering Danfo or BRT in Lagos, everything, if all the volume of transactions that happen in Nigeria per minute have to be brought into the online, do we have the ecosystem to sustain that? I believe that the answer is no. So the question is, why don't we go at our pace? Why don't, yes, the government will try to initiate some policies to inspire or to catalyze goods, but allow Nigeria to go at its pace. There are people who don't have internet. There are places you still don't have, not even internet. Telephony access, just the normal telephone, flash me, I call you. There are some communities in Nigeria today that those accesses are not there. 
how then are you talking about the unbanked? How do you? So it has to rely on digital infrastructure. It has to also rely on even brick and mortar infrastructure. Today, there is a release by the CBN for you to see the now how many number of banks we have in Nigeria and the way the branches are located. You will see that the bank branches are not enough. Even if the, all the bank branches are processing, are failed transactions. And today, Nigeria does not have enough infrastructure online to report and initiate and complete failed transactions online. So sometimes for failed transactions, you may have to go physically. So Nigeria does not have the infrastructure. Why don't we go at our pace? Imagine, for instance, that on the day one in 2004, when GSM came into Nigeria, and there was this bad policy by Nigerians to try to get every Nigerian to have a GSM in 2004. That is what we're trying to do, is to try to force everybody to go cashless, whereas we don't have the infrastructure to support cashless economy. We simply don't. Okay, what if internet fails? Even there was a day, let me remind Nigerians of this, there was a day the NIM failed. Because for you to do a successful transaction with immigration, with the banking services, sometimes they have to verify your NIM portal using the NIM verify portal. There was a day the NIM portal was down and immigration did not work. The banks had difficulties to work. So if any of these portals are down, what is the downtime? What is the turnaround time between the time the server is down and the time it's back up? Is it two minutes, is it one minute, or is it three hours? And if you migrate everybody to a digital platform, if Nigeria happens the way it works, where you can have a blackout in an important server for three hours or four hours, then how do you process transactions in the absence of cash? So I want to believe that Nigerian policymakers should have compassion and recommend that policies be phased and graduated. As Nigeria's earning power improves, as the internet access improves, as more, more people buy more mobile phones, as more people get more literate, they will naturally gravitate towards online banking. Trying to force everybody to do it in one go is just making a mess of the situation. And my dear brother talked about political will. What I do know from what is happening now is that Nigeria's policymakers are punishing Nigerians for their own ineffectiveness and lack of political will. If you have, can track these monies, if you have intelligence that somebody has printed fake currencies, printing of fake currencies, if you read Nigeria, it is terrorism. It is economic terrorism. The people that is investigating this is not even the police. It is the GSS. You are straight up a terrorist. If you have people who are printing Naira notes and you have credible info, you don't arrest them, you don't prosecute them, and you are forcing Nigerians to go through processes, difficulties because of your own inefficiency. And you are saying that, look, go and read all the CBN has said. I can read one for you now. The CBN says that the money is to counter inflation, and it was the CBN that caused the inflation. My brother said here, they advanced the federal government ways and means. They caused the inflation, and they are punishing us for the same inflation they caused. You said, okay, it is to fight terrorism. Who made the ground fatal for terrorists? It is the same federal government. We know where these terrorists are. Can't we arrest them? Do we have the capacity to arrest them? Do we have the capacity to track them? Do we have the capacity to try them? Even the capacity is not capacity. Do we have and do we have the political will? Why are you punishing Nigerians for your own ineffectiveness? So you're talking about elections, whether I'm excited. I am not excited by any stretch of the imagination. It will be indeed overly simplistic to be excited about this thing. Because the federal government, in my own estimation, and this is me making conjectures, it's not hard data. In my own conjecture and you know opinion, I don't think the Buhari led federal government and the CBN that was led by a former presidential aspirant on the platform of the APC is implementing any policy to help Nigerians. What they are trying to do, in my own estimation, is trying to change the election in a particular way. In my own political analysis, and you may agree with it or not, but everything was done to stop Tinubu at the primaries. Tinubu was not the anointed candidate or even in the top three of the anointed candidate. Yet, he bulldozed his way into the elections and won it. If you listen to the interview by Najatu on AIT, she said that what happens now is that governors 
try to contribute money for presidential aspirants. But in the case of Tinubu, that Tinubu was sharing money to governors, and governors were sharing money, that Tinubu money. She said it on the live television. And so, if this Tinubu is so rich that he can use his money to influence a particular electoral outcome, I believe that Buhari has walked away from his understanding with Tinubu, and Buhari has effectively betrayed his 2014 understanding with Tinubu. And what you're seeing with the cashless policy is just trying to emasculate a particular political candidate to emasculate him and make him unable to move his cash. And if you doubt this, I can play you a video interview by Buhari where he said these things explicitly. If you, so you, you understand that the issue is not about Nigerians, that the issue is just to make sure. And then if it is not Tinubu, let's question you ask, is who, as of today, elements within the presidency are not working for the Labour Party presidential candidate. But elements within the presidency are working for the PDP presidential candidate. So if Nigerians are rejoicing that this is in their favor, Wait until the election results are announced, and then Nigerians can then know who this policy was designed to favor and who it was designed to emasculate. So people who are rejoicing about this policy, well, wait until the election results are announced for people to have a general appraisal of whether this suffering was worth it or whether it wasn't worth it. Hmm. Uh, that's what I wanted to ask now, if this motive isn't strong enough for the challenges that we're going through, because sometimes you may have to go through some short form of challenges to ensure that something good comes out of it. But Look, uh, you may have beautiful end goals, but you, if you are a public policy person, you have to analyze all the steps you're going to take to, for you to achieve the end goal. Let me use one instance. There was an import substitution policy on rights. Import substitution means that Nigeria feels that it can achieve self-sufficiency in the production of rice. It has the arable land, it has all it takes to achieve self-sufficiency in rice. So the federal government set out on a rice import substitution policy. But the tools with which the government wanted to implement that policy was wrong. For instance, why are farmers in Nigeria unable to compete with farmers in Thailand? You now ask yourself the issue of technology. Farmers in Thailand had better acreage, had better use per acre. Farmers in Nigeria, because of low inclusiveness, don't have that kind of yield. They have more access to fertilizers. We don't have access. They have access to off-season farming using irrigation. We don't have access to off-season farming. Then farmers in Thailand procured their money at single-digit interest rates. Farmers in Nigeria procure money at sometimes double-digit interest rates for those who have the facility even to procure facility from the banks. Then you also talk about the issue of insecurity. Then you talk about processing capacity. Do Nigeria have the capacity to process all the rice we can eat in Nigeria? What is the installed capacity? What is the electricity situation? What is the distribution network for rice? The roads between the rice farm and the factories where it will be processed are from the factories to the end user's house. What is the road network like or the rail network like? Or the... So when you see all this analysis, so if you wanted to achieve self-sufficiency in rice, you will address the issue of financing for the farmers, improve seedless, the infrastructure for transportation of rice from the producing place to the end user's place. Then you talk about the financing, you talk about the technology, you even talk about the techni technical know-how of the farmers. Are these farmers subsistence farmers or are these farmers graduates who know what they are doing? Can you provide them off-season irrigation? Can even the access to land? Today, the land issue thing is a big mess in Nigeria. The ownership of land is still domiciled with the state government. So you have a lot of large swath of land still tied to state government. Until Nigeria redesigns its land use act, some of those lands in the north will be lying fallow, unusable and unusable because of the laws. So you have to open up these things to private sector to come and invest. And if you open up the rice thing for private sector to come and invest, Nigerian farmers can, can produce rice, that their rice can compete with rice produced in Thailand and can be cheaper. But today, the Nigerian government is so lazy 
that he doesn't want to build the infrastructure, doesn't want to address all these issues that I mentioned to you. What is went up to do is first, he said that it is restricting forests for rice imports. That's number one. It wasn't enough. It banned the importation of rice. That was not enough. It closed all land borders. Today, the price of rice in the market that used to be 8,000 is now worse. And you're telling people to suffer, to suffer for the tomorrow. It is when you have leaders who can't think through policies. This is, they are telling Nigerians suffer because of Nuban, suffer because of BVN, suffer because of NIS, suffer because of Okada, suffer because of New Nairobi. You can still achieve the same results if you take the painstaking effort. Rooting out terrorists will be painstaking, I agree. And battling counterfeiting will be painstaking, I agree. Battling uh, inflation or buying of votes will be painstaking, I agree. But you have to do the hard work. If you fail to do the hard work and you're using the shortcuts of implementing these haphazard policies that I've mentioned, then including the new redesign of Nigerian notes and subjecting Nigerians to this pain, I dare say to you that these pains are needless. If Nigerian policymakers understand the project management aspect of policymaking, they will be making the kind of reckless decisions they're making on behalf of Nigeria. Hmm. Okay, thank you very much, Shima. Wow, I have a feeling that a lot of Nigerians have gone through a lot in the last two weeks and I really understand how passionate you sound about it. Stanley, two things for me. First is when Nigerians are buying the Naira with the Naira, what exactly financially do you see playing out? That's like one. What effects will you have? And two would be, Shima mentioned something about opening up the system to private sector players with the Afrigo card move the card scheme it's looking like it's the CBN flexing its muscles against the likes of Mastercard Verve and Visa and I see that yes it's a good thing for data sovereignty and domesticizing it ensuring that it's naira and not the dollar and all of those conversations but is this the way to go about it should the cbn go head to head with these international card companies or should we maybe find a way to involve domestic card players instead of the cbn taking that space so i'd like to throw the line that my brother china had followed i don't have a problem with policies i don't have a problem with the first question you asked is the naira to naira you know, I, there was this joke that I saw on the internet where they said, we have euro to naira, dollar to naira, and then there's naira to naira rate. So which rate are you working with as of today? <laughs> and it's funny, but it's sad. The fact that they had created a lacum in the system for these things to happen. And human beings who they are take advantage of opportunities when they see it. Not just human beings, but we Nigerians. Nigerians are the ones. So first of all, the banks, when they started releasing this thing, CBN did not start check these checks that they are doing now. They are like going bank to bank to check. You should have started it in December. Now, in December, they were not releasing that much money. They claimed they were releasing that much money in December, but they were not. For because they had initially planned that the withdrawal limit will have been a hundred thousand. So you see, like this policy, see how they graduated and how we have the chaos that we have. So they estimated that people were going to be limited to hundred thousand and that the online platforms were going to carry all the transactions that they were anticipating. If you follow me on, if you follow my pages, I spoke about this. I said, do we have the infrastructure, like Chima said, do we have the infrastructure to handle online payment as not even as we have it now? You mean everybody that we have, everybody going online 
like once do we have that infrastructure to handle it and it played out the top banks that have the highest customer base were failing across board but the guys that were the likes of the Hampe, Ope, Weber Bank, New Fidelity, kudos to them and people that had a smaller customer base did not have this problem so do we have that capacity to manage this influx of everybody into the online space we do not it has to do with their technicalities around it now staff are leaving because the quality staff that you need to retain to run this you need that manpower a lot of them are leaving to europe and, and america so you know you need to train newer people banks are even putting clauses that you have to work with them for two three years before you can resign and all for them to train you into their it system and all so this is a whole conversation around that we are buying Naira for Naira because people are buying Naira from banks. People are going to market women to tell them, okay, these POS people are going to market women to tell them, right, give us the Naira that you have or I take 200 Naira for every 2,000 you give me. So they come back to you and sell it at 300 or 400 because they need to make a profit. And that is what has created this problem. This would have simply been avoided if implementation, if the implementation was done rightly. Like Chima said, I don't know who the people are that are implementing policies. As a layman that you are, you can envision some of these things. Simple project management, like he said, it will just tell you these are the things that you anticipate. How do you solve this crisis if this arises? How do you solve this if the scenario arises? Okay, these are the things that we need to envisage. This is what we need to envisage. Okay, let's put these measures to tackle this ahead of time. Did they do that? No, they did not. And they are suffering Nigerians. So that is on totally on one side of it. So the second question you asked was concerning the Africa card going head to head with international players like Mastercard, Verve, Visa. Is this needed? Is it going to affect investment flow? And should it have been getting domestic players instead of the CBN and the NMBSS? Yes. First of all, NMBSS is owned by all the banks, including the CBN. So it's not CBN doesn't own NIBSS. The banks, including CBN, own the NIBSS. So it's Bankers Committee made up of all the banks and CBN being the head of it. Now, there had been an agreement between the banks for them to come out with card. That was one. And secondly, the card is not is not novel to us. Turkey has this card. India has this card. Russia has this card. So it's not new to us. It's not something that's entirely new to Nigeria. For the method of bringing the NIBSS to handle it instead of international players, they said the cards, all the cards are going to work. Your MasterCard is still working. Your Visa cards are still working. But for when the card companies, when Africo comes on live, I'm, from what I know about Nigeria, there's going to be a push for people to adopt it as against the international cards for domestic transactions, for domestic transactions. But for international transactions, you still use your MasterCard and your Visa card. But from what we know, international transactions have been have not been all the banks are suspended international transactions due to the foreign currency crisis that we have for the investments that these companies have i would say they would treat it like they treated the major players like india having almost you know the world's biggest population now and then russia and then turkey this these are places china too has this so these are places that have their own cards and they have like the right population i think those it's going to be there's going to be a medium ground there's always this head-on thing that you just bring out this policy or you bring out this thing to see how it works 
if it works well, I think at a point there's going to be a collaboration between these international card companies and local players. Let me also add the investment in NIBSS. I don't think NIBSS as it is, see all the transactions are already failing as it is. I don't know if they can handle everything, including having a card company that is of their own. You know, the Afri Gold Limited, you know, it's a company of its own. It's an arm of NIBSS, not the NIBSS of its own. So having all this plugged into the NIBSS platform, I hope they can handle all the transactions as a plan. But I feel that there will be collaboration between them and then the private sector because they can't handle it. They can't handle this solely on their own. And by the way, NIBSS is a private sector company. It's just that it's owned partly by the government. But it's a private, it's a private sector driven company, 100%. Okay, that's very interesting. Now, the MasterCard branded national EID card was launched in Nigeria by former president Goodluck Jonathan. That was in 2014 or so. How is this any different from this new card scheme that's been launched? The card that they launched, do you have the EID card? Do you have that card? I, I've seen, I've the seen one the one that was launched by yeah. Goodluck. Do you have it? I don't, but I've seen the card. I saw it just a few days ago. Okay, I think that's the one that has its name. It was linked with name. It's NIN, yes? It's the NIN card, but it can also process payments. Yes. So now, the NIN card by the National Card Identity Card Management System, they were supposed to produce that card in bulk. Nigeria happened to that card. So I think that collaboration did not see light of day. And another challenge that I had with that card is that I had expiry date. So you have people that have the NIN sleep and it doesn't have an expiry date, but the card printed by NIN has an expiry date. So if you want to open an account for like, for example, with banks, I would prefer you give me the sleep that doesn't have an expiry date than the, than the card itself that has an expiry date because the banks check expiry date of cards. And once it's past the expiry date of the card, you can't use it. It seems that the card is invalidated because it's expired in quotes, but the your NIN doesn't expire so that was a challenge because they were create they created that to you know to be able to process transactions. I don't know anyone who has used that card to process any transaction. I don't know any bank that's integrated into that system to enable people to use because the idea was you know you could use that to link it to your card, you could use it to you know pay, do some transactions and all that and all that. I don't know any bank that is doing that. If there is, I do not know. But the idea of the card with MasterCard, I do not think it's going to see the light of day. But the Africa card being housed by NIBSS is just the same way that you do your transfer. NIBSS handles all the transfers, all the in-house, it connects all the banks. So it's easier for them to roll out mean on it and roll out intervention schemes that it, as they say on it. I feel it to be more effective than anything that has been produced before. Okay, so finally, this is us wrapping up. The Attorney General of the Federation and Minister of Justice in Nigeria, Abubakar Malami, said that the federal government would obey the Supreme Court ruling, which put a hold on the CBN demonetization policy and would take necessary steps to set aside that interim order. And the Supreme Court on Wednesday suspended the CBN deadline for demonetization policy and fixed uh, February 15 for a hearing on the matter. What do you think about this? that's one and two how sustainable do you think that these policies are looking at the timing i know we mentioned timing at the beginning as it being oh this is the timing is somewhat right for what we want to achieve but the timing also and sustainability because the president of nigeria just a few days ago announced that the handover committee has been set 
Once he leaves office, how sustainable will this policy be? Will Nigeria happen to these policies too? And the many benefits that these policies would or are supposed to bring Nigerians? Okay, beautiful. I believe that the framers of this policy are not thinking about the long term. What they want to achieve is an immediate result. And when they achieve that immediate result on February 25th or any other day that the elections will take, then that is it for them. Right, and then immediately after that period, even the new created news will be rolled out to Nigeria. Because despite all the assurances, CBN is still withholding the new news. If you leave all the matters of arresting bankers, you just give a bank a person, you know, when there is a one billion demand. And he will want the money. If you have an ocean of need and a perfect mode of supply, then you have created an incentive for people to try to build fast one in the system. That's number one. Then number two, is that I'm surprised as what Malami is saying with his part. I am surprised that the federal government will be telling Nigerians which court judgments they will obey and which ones they will not obey. By design of Nigeria's constitution, everybody is duty bound to obey court judgment until it is set aside. And for them to pick and choose the ones they like to obey and the ones they would like to obey is to be making a mess of the whole constitution. There has been a judgment on the case of Mazumnan. Federal government pick and choose as it will obey that. So you have when the system is picking on the judgments it will obey or the orders of the courts it will obey. I mean, that makes the whole of mess of the system and that tells you that everything you need to know about Nigeria. Finally, on this, my attitude is that Sopano retire Nigerians. From the ban of Okada to closed border to restriction of forest to BBM to Nuban to NIM to Unionist and to whatever because they keep coming up with more in, in ways to punish Nigeria, so to speak. Not that this, and when I say this thing, I don't imply that the whole thing does not have any benefit. They have their benefits, but from the project management point of view, they are designed and implemented in a way that. They, they seem to make trivia of the sufferings of Nigerians or that they enjoy seeing Nigerians suffer. That's what I, I think is happening. So uh, I think Sopano retires us really because you still see the same Nigerians arguing and defending, maybe because of the adult literacy rate or even because of our school system that has not impacted critical reasoning and thinking into the minds of even our graduates. So that's, that's where I will end this really. That Sopano retires Nigerians. Once Nigerians are tired, of this software before any public policymaker will design an early public policy, he or she will have to think, think through of the impact on everyday Nigerians. If the impact is huge, they will have to find ways to minimize it. And if they can minimize it, they can go ahead. But for now, they feel that they can announce anything to Nigerians, and Nigerians will take it lying down. Until that day when Nigerians will sit up to demand for the kind of country they want, I believe that our policymakers, even after Buhari, will continue to, to treat Nigerians bad. Okay, Stanley, what's your take in about a minute? The Supreme Court judgment, from what I've read, I'm not a lawyer, is that the Supreme Court doesn't have jurisdiction on this case, from what I found out from the lawyers that, and from what was mentioned. So, the case of Naira design, it's not a case of you know, the federal government and states as supposed to be handled by the Supreme Court. But that's on one side. It's if the CBN that is supposed to handle monetary policies comes up with policies that they feel that they are supposed to come up with, and then they, you can easily just go to any court and get an injunction against the CBN. It means that nothing will move forward because if I have interest, or having it the way that we have it now, that the courts have been compromised, in court, because it seems like a tool in the political in the political space, only it's it makes a mockery of the whole thing. 
I don't know how it will be resolved. Deadline for the new notes still today, and we are waiting to hear from the CBN. Is are they going to follow the court order? Are they going to go back and you know and have it struck out of court? Whatever the play is, my own take is whatever that we are doing in Nigeria, we should know that we're setting precedents for the coming years. Number one and two, foreign investors are looking at us. We're looking at how we use the rule of law. Are we people that obey? Are we people that obey? If somebody is coming into Nigeria, for example, to do a business and he says, "Oh, even if you go to the Supreme Court, they will not listen to you. Someone can buy his way." So whatever we are doing, you should know that posterity is going to judge us. And the international community are watching and they will vote with their money. Thank you very much, Chima Christian, public policy analyst. Thank you for sharing your thoughts today on this topic, this very, very touchy and sensitive topic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And thanks to Stanley Honora, financial policy analyst also, for helping us better understand the effects of these things and helping us digest the financial implications of these moves by the CBN. Yeah, thank you so much. So the conversation will actually continue from now on in our houses at the ATM stands in front of the banks where most Nigerians are killed right now at POS stands where most people are exchanging Naira for Naira notes and on the streets everywhere not just now but it would be also a case study for other people to look back at and say yes this worked or yes or no this did not work but then as we draw closer and closer to another election cycle general elections in nigeria all hands have to be on deck to ensure that the process is seamless it is free it is fair it is credible and all nigerians participate and make their voices heard this is africa tech radio thank you for listening to tony's tech side thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com